Hey friends, Ashton here, and welcome back to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. I am super excited today to invite a new guest onto the show, who I think is going to be a new friend. A few weeks back, I had crossed paths with his work in the world through our church, and um, then I'm at Thanksgiving, and a friend of mine, a dear friend, she pulls me aside and she says, hey, um, I've got this book in the car feel like you need to read it. Seems like it would be something that you would find interesting, and I think you may even want to interview him at the podcast. Started asking her a few questions, and lo and behold, she was telling me about David Zoll, who I had just crossed paths with a couple weeks before, and uh, I said, hey, I'm two steps ahead of you. He, he's, he's already coming on to the podcast soon, and so crazy how small our world is, but um, something tells me that we have a friend in David Zoll and his work in the world is going to be something that can lead us all to lighter and brighter lives. So with that being said, I'd like to invite David Zoll to Good, True, and Beautiful. David, welcome. Thanks, thanks Ashton. It's great to, great to be here. And I just, I'm always amazed at the, the little connections that seem to spring up out of, out of the blue. It is. It's, it's, uh, it, it's crazy at times, um, but uh, super grateful for you coming on today, and I'm excited to kind of dive in to this new piece of work that you have in the world. But before we do that, I, I think it's good to kind of set the stage a bit and um, maybe introduce you and your work in the world um, to our listeners here at Good, True, and Beautiful. So I ask everybody, when you introduce yourself and your work in the world, where do you begin? Oh, where do I begin? Um, I'm, I'm at this stage in life where it's it's hard to conceive of myself as um, other than first and foremost, like my family, my immediate family, just because that, that occupies so much of my time. So I have three boys uh, that are 12, 10, and 6, uh, and a, a wife who's a, an artist and a beautiful, uh, extremely talented uh, woman who's you know an oil painter. And so we're, we're all both involved in, I guess, what you would call the creative world. And I uh, live here in Virginia. And what I do, when people ask me sort of, I mean, who I am, I, I try not to answer immediately with my uh, vocation or sort of my my resume. But um, yeah, for the sake of this podcast, I'm a writer. And I've, I've written a couple books, and I've written one recently called Low Anthropology, but I also work at a church here, an Episcopal church, and where I get to teach and preach and um, uh, talk to people about the deepest things. And uh, so... Um, yeah, I've been here for 12 years. I was born in New York City. Let's see. I brought up in Europe for, I mean, for a good chunk of that, but also uh, in various places along the East Coast in America. Um, I have two brothers, both of whom are also in different forms of uh, Christian work. So my older, my young, yeah, my younger brother is a professor of theology at Cambridge in England. And my older brother is a rector of an Episcopal church up in up in Bedford, New York. So uh, I'm a son of a of a of a Episcopal, you know, theologian and pastor as well. So it's we call it the family business, but um, it's really just <laughs> it's a, in the blood. <laughs> it's in the blood. It's in the blood. Somehow, somewhere, we looked around at age, you know, 35, and we're like, wait a second, we're all sort of pulling in the same direction, and how beautiful that is. So yeah. I have a, a slightly eccentric backstory, but also a uh, a, a beautiful one as I, as I, the more I grow and the more people I run into that have had different paths. Very cool. Very cool. And I think some of our listeners may be familiar 
with with Mockingbird, and maybe they're not. You that you started Mockingbird Ministries, right? Yeah, I didn't even mention Mockingbird. So Mockingbird is really my the the venue for most of my writing is yeah. Mockingbird. So it's it's an organization. It's what's called today called a platform. Um, where we have a website and conferences and publications and a print magazine and lots of podcasts uh, where we try to integrate kind of the, the grace of God with everyday life and do that in all sorts of different ways. And um, yeah, I, I, I started it back 15 years ago with some friends and the idea was really to, um, we were all sort of, uh, excuse me, we were Christians of relatively sort of coming out of the Episcopal church really. And, um, got the sense that the, the grace as, as, as we understood it, which was exciting and animating and, uh, liberating and, um, relieving it, 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 we saw it as the core of the Christian faith and it wasn't getting much of a, um, airing and, and the good, the true and the beautiful, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. Right on. Um, and, and I think that, you know, that, that, that's a beautiful segue into talking about uh, your book, Low Anthropology. Um, uh, the, the more um, this kind of, I, I unpacked this idea as I read the book. Really, that is what, what you're introducing the reader to uh, is, is grace-filled eyes, a new way of seeing, right? Like not, uh, not the whole judge and critique of everyone and thinking so high of yourself and thinking so low of everyone. You, you really do a beautiful job of kind of unpacking um, the surprise and delight that grace can inhabit in our lives through mm. a low anthropology. Um, at least that's what I got from it. Um, and so <laughs> I, I, why don't we, I, I think we need to start with the word anthropology first, because this is not sure. where our wives go and buy candles. Um, no. And, 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 <laughs> and I, think it's, uh, I think it's good when we first start talking about anthropology, let's first, um, let's talk about what we're talking about when we say anthropology. Well, let me just say what you, that your summary of the book uh, uh, or at least its impact is exactly what I'd hoped it would it would give it would be oh. an entree into delight into yeah. uh, compassion and away from self righteousness and judgment. Yeah. Um, so anthropology, I'm not using the word in an academic sense, or at least in a in a kind of a cultural anthropology academic sense. And it's it's it's, I, it's really not meant to be daunting at all. Although I recognize that ology words are a little bit, um, they just have a certain <laughs> ring to them. Especially for us down here in Texas, you got you got to break it down for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, cultural anthropology is the studies of how human beings relate to one another, how they form cultures. Um, but uh, anthropology, the way that theologians and philosophers use it, is is its shorthand actually for what you what you believe to be true about human nature, or your sort of operating theory or uh, of of human nature. So, what do you think? Uh, what what's what are the presuppositions? What are human beings good at? What are we not so good at? What are what what are what are our what principles govern our behavior, etc. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's. You know, every I, my sense is that everyone has something they mean when they say the phrase "I'm only human." Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that, uh, we all uh, are coming at our lives with some anthropology. It may not be uh, explicit. It may be contradictory. It may be jumbled together. It may be um, very. Uh, it may be very uh, 
prescriptive and or maybe extremely precise, but everyone has some set of of understandings of what it means to be human. And those understandings inform our expectations of other people and ourselves and that like sort of in our jobs and in our marriages and in our parenting and in our politics and ultimately of course in our spiritual and religious lives. Yeah. No, I, I think um, that's well said. And, and one of the things that I think is important is uh, our anthropology shifts moment to moment. You know, I think I think we can have low anthropology in some moments. We can have a higher anthropology. It kind of depends on the context. Where are we? Is this within mm. the realm of our ego and the roles that we inhabit in the world? Sometimes I bet we, we're a little more likely to, to slap on the high anthropology. And then maybe the low anthropology is maybe in some areas of our life where we have experienced uh, death burial, resurrection, we got a little more grace for ourselves. We got a little, Mm -hmm. give ourselves a little more rope and maybe can also extend that to our friends, our neighbors, our relatives, and so forth. So I I think, I think it's important before we get going here to realize uh, it's kind of a dance. And if you're not careful, you got (laughs) to, you got to watch, you know, oh yeah, well, you know, in this realm, I can kind of inhabit the low anthropology, but over here, that's a little bit more challenging for me to do. Oh Yeah. I mean, we're inconsistent. It, it, that, that's part of our anthropology, in fact. That's part of a, is that we're inconsistent in how we hold these things. And, um, you know, my baby changes like the weather, you know. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we have, a, um, yeah, and, and depending on what we ate that morning, we might think more highly of ourselves or lower of ourselves. Okay. or, um, But also in, in, in various, um, yeah, arenas, as, right. as it were. Yeah. I'm always interested in the fact that, like, sometimes, you know, we're talking about identity, people, um, who you are is pretty fluid as well. I mean, like, uh, just just as we're about to recording this before Christmas, and you know, sometimes when you go home to your family of origin, you're sort of a different person than you are at the office or um, with your with your in laws, mm-hmm. or or uh, you know, you revert or. You know, and 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 if you're married to someone, you always like, well, which person am I dealing with right now? You know, yeah. it's it that's but that's more of a question of I personal identity, but anthropology is slightly more global than that. Yeah, but, it, yeah. you know, one of the things, I, and I must be in a season of just kind of wrestling this idea, uh, and mm-hmm. I think it's psychologically, theologically, a lot of ways, but like the whole conversation of expectations, right, and how much yeah. frustration in my life. Uh, tends to be connected to my expectations. And you write here in the book, you know, how we view human nature has a tremendous bearing on our experience of the world and of ourselves. And, and I, I, I didn't realize this, but I think the gift of really what you're inviting us to consider here is the, the, the more you can invite a low anthropology way of seeing the world and yourself and your neighbor, um, the, the more likely it is that we can let go maybe of some unrealistic expectations that we put over the moment, our job, mm. our relationships, and so forth. And uh, anytime reality doesn't line up with our expectations, we're typically pretty frustrated. Um, but I think that like a low anthropology may, may be another very helpful dialogue as we consider what it looks like to maybe drop some of those expectations and and when we do that my senses are grace kind of comes in the back door and and we see with more gentle peaceful patient joyful loving kind eyes in the world 
Well, that's that's my what the contention of the book certainly, and it's my experience of reality as well. Um, you know, I think it's probably worth worth stating, like when we talk about low and high, like high anthropology tends to be a slower, more optimistic view of human beings. It's not a, a more optimistic view of life. That's what people sometimes mistake it for. It's a more optimistic view of of any hope that is to be found. Um, is to be found within or sort of in within human endeavor. And that is, can be um, a, uh, and it's it sort of view people as self-sufficient ultimately uh, kind of uh, our, we're, we're the result of our own efforts and it's, it tends to skew more individualistic and um, yeah, it, it's flattering about human nature. You and I are in control of ourselves and the world and can kind of engineer our own happiness and low anthropology really sees people as fundamentally in need of help. It's more sober in its estimation of human capability, but therefore more optimistic about the work of God mm. in the world. And um, it is, uh, and and it, 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 I think it, it has a lower bar for, um, yeah, for other people as well as oneself. And so you're not, it's a view of uh, human beings as, as being, you know, uh, capable of enormous good, but also shackled by unseen forces and tied in knots by our own upbringing. And, and that we, yeah, again, that we we're in need of uh, assistance and we have biases and blind spots and people need, uh, or what's the, what's the wonderful compassionate word we always hear is like everyone is be, be kind for everyone is f fighting a, a mm. battle, you know, nothing about or carrying a burden you haven't seen. Like that is a low anthropology view yeah. of things. Um, but it cuts against the grain of a sort of like more sort of, uh, you know, uh, you're the boss kind of view of, of life. Yep. Yep. And I, and you do, as the book gets going, you, you talk about the aftermath of high anthropology. Uh, it's almost like these things that have become camouflaged in our lives that we just consider like part of being human now, but they don't have to be perfectionism, mm. anxiety, yeah. burnout, <laughs> Uh, uh, that the, 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 the higher view uh, that we, we think that we are superhuman, omnipresent, we can be everything to everybody, uh, the other side of that tends to be perfectionism, anxiety, burnout, and the like. Yeah, loneliness. I mean, if, if perfectionism is a lonely thing. Um, yeah, and those are the cultural conditions or the emotional conditions that inform this book because I I deal with these things too. And if you're constantly living a life where you feel more is expected of you than you ever fulfill, um, and that might be economically, that might be vocationally, that might be emotionally, uh, you're expected to care about absolutely everything going on in the world and demonstrate that you care and 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 take you know you are completely responsible for the well-being of everyone in your orbit. I mean, that's our those are assumptions that can that sound mm -hmm. again they 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 sound inviting but they're actually oppressive and um and they lead to bur what we call burnout today which is a, almost like a paralysis and a fatigue that is uh, mixed with a like a, um, a cynicism about the world that i don't think it, it's not in, intentional but this is these are the fruits of high anthropology in the world it's it's not um it's an exhausting way mm -hmm. to live and it's kind of mother's milk and are unfortunately in a kind of a, uh, a, a bootstrapping American Silicon Valley fueled, uh, uh, yeah, capital is like, what were the surveillance capitalism, 
a kind of context in which we live, uh, where I think people are feeling feeling like they're always being graded mm-hmm. and performing. The, the, you know, the 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 feel uh, my sense of people, and I've been working with college students for a long time, but also just folks in the pews is the people feel enormous pressure to perform an ideal version of themselves and um they they're 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 always looking for a place where they can actually be uh, vulnerable is the kind of buzzword but be, be the full be where there's permission to be human yeah. and um we we those areas are increasingly precious but also increasingly rare and it and it creates a widespread culture of uh, of, uh, of frenetic fatigue mixed with, frankly, despair. Yeah. So. Yeah. For sure. And, and just before we hop into the rest of this, you know, with, with low anthropology, as as we talk about high anthropology, perfectionism, anxiety, burnout, low anthropology, you you write, you know, this forges sympathy, brings clarity, brings reconciliation. It allows us to recognize our capacities uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 and be okay with those, realize that we don't have to be superhuman. But mm. I think you put this somewhere in the book, and maybe we've even shared this already today, as, as you have that understanding of one's capacity that you can't be everything to everybody, you can't be the ideal self, you can't scale it, big it, build it bigger than yourself, all of these things that we're taught to do, as you have that understanding and insight, you then do open the possibility for the divine to come into Mm. your life and um, carry you, do what you could not do. And and it's it's a very, the phrase I use all the time on the podcast is a very simple and quiet way of being. But it's a sustainable Mm. way. It's a it's an it's an enjoyable way. It's a rested, full of life way. It's not exhausted. Uh, and burning the candle at both ends. And so I, I think it's important for us to, as we talk about low anthropology, um, kind of also break down the other side of it, of like sympathy, clarity, reconciliation. Curiosity. Curiosity. Courtesy, uh, yeah. Yeah. Humor. Humor. Um, humility is ultimately the fruit that we're yeah. talking about here most, but that's sort of the first fruits usually. The humility bleeds into uh, is 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 bleeds into love very quickly um it's 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 hard not to love a humble person but it's also hard as a humble person not to love other people mm-hmm. um and to see uh to actually be quick to uh to be patient rather than rush to judgment mm-hmm. or say oh this person isn't like me or uh, they're they're one of those types of people i think yeah. it, i think a low anthropology really breaks down categories um which is very necessary um and this sort of you know people hear though when you're talking about a sort of a, a simpler more sober view that that looks beyond the horizon of human agency for hope you know um because that's what we're really talking about yeah. um that, that uh, ultimately uh we need help um we're not from our not from ourselves we need help from other people and we need help yeah. from god and more than help we need deliverance that can be a sort of uh you know and um when misused it can be a uh a tool for sort of shame um and not i think there's there can be a there can sometimes be a shame that is that is necessary but most of the time it's it's arbitrary and cruel but the um 
what what we're really talking about is an invitation to collaboration and prayer and friendship and community and help and service uh that is that is not that is you might even call it a smallness like mm-hmm. um yep. uh i was reading an article ashton about um there's a new bbc show coming out that's only about like i think it's called it's it's something about like the sublime and it, it's about exploring these places on earth that are so majestic and enormous that they give people this larger sense of connection by virtue of understanding their own smallness hmm. so you said what we call the sublime beautiful uh vistas and uh, places that are that are almost terrifying but yeah. just a little bit because you're safe but they they increase in you a sense of your own uh insignificance which which people found social scientists have found that it's linked always to um less individualism more compassion more sort of like desire to serve other people more ability to see one's place in sort of the systems of the world and a, a deeper um just uh love for human beings which is an interesting thing because a lot of us have had those experiences because sometimes nature can be just downright terrifying like in a monsoon but it when you go you know and you see you're in montana and you see the enormous big sky and the mountains and things like that you just are almost overwhelmed by uh things like anxiety about what you know you need to get done that day just melt away in a way that i think is very um in sync or resonant with low anthropology yeah yeah yeah. you realize in that moment that uh you 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 are being held uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, that, and that you don't have to hold it all. Um, yeah, and uh, and I will say this too. The lower my anthropology, probably the higher my grateful spirit. The higher my anthropology, probably my gratitude nosedives. It, it's there. There's this. There's this dynamic at play here, where um, if I'm up there in high anthropology, I'm not noticing the hidden small beautiful things in life that have been entrusted but at at the lower levels all of a sudden the entire world becomes enchanted the smallest things become the biggest things uh and isn't that isn't that such a thing yeah i think i think like when you're a high anthropology uh looks at the world and says why isn't it it resents it for not being that's right better or not living up to my expectations of what i think a low anthropology looks at the world and said in awe and wonder and says wow given what I'm like, and what other people have been like to me, like how incredible is the yeah, fact that there is so much goodness, truth, and beauty in the world. God's hand is in evidence. Like it, it does, I think, very much correlate to gratitude. I think it's a wonderful way to put it. Yeah. So the 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 meat and potatoes of the book is um, these three pillars. Low anthropology yes. rests on three pillars, um, and I thought we could just kind of bounce around those for a couple minutes and and, and, sure. and see where we go. The first of those pillars being uh, limitation. Um, and you talk about all forms of limitation, limitation with our time, limitation with our knowledge. We're not going to know it all, even though we may think that we can mm. know it all. There is uh, high anthropology thinks you can know it all. Low anthropology says there's some uncertainty. There's some mystery out there. Um, Talk to me about limitation and, and really what you were getting at in this pillar. Yeah, I, I think like, you know, you can say to people that human beings have limits, you know, we need to eat and we need to sleep and we're, we're um, 
people, everyone would sort of nod their heads. But then you get into a, there's a cultural spirit of sort of improvability that says uh, I can, I can sort of uh, optimize, maximize. I kind of use people as machines to be upgraded mm -hmm. all the time. And that's just, again, out of sync with reality, uh, especially as we age and we realize that we are not on some endlessly upward trajectory in life. So limitation, I've found that, um, uh, it's it's can be profoundly helpful to feel like I'm not the only one who's got limits that I, to what I can do, to what I can care about, and uh, to what I can know. So I mean, uh, yes, this sort of physical limits I, I think is is a, is and biological limits. I mean, those are those are important to keep in mind, especially when dealing with. By the way, dealing with young children, um, uh, and your anyone in your relationship with, but uh, in terms of like epistemological limitation meaning like knowledge i think it's it, we've lost that we we i'm i live in a world at least that's sort of uh, uh, there's so much certainty and everyone's asking you where you stand on things what's your position on this and and kind of if you show any kind of uh reticence then you're you're deemed a flip-flopper or a, a fence sitter or a or um a, you don't have a backbone or something like that and there's it's become very moralized to to, to be to to say i don't know um, is 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 become a kind of a, a, a sign of in, inferiority or something. When I think every wisdom tradition under the sun counsels that the, the more you know, the more you you That's know right. that you don't know. I mean, like it's <laughs> right. it's sort of elemental that everyone sort of agrees that uh, certainty is an illusion, mm -hmm. and wisdom and certainty are almost always opposed to one another. So, low anthropology just says there's there's a god, and you're not you're not him so you're not he excuse me so uh there's always going to be one more thing i could find out about you i can i can know 99.9 percent .9 of something about about some subject or some issue but there's always one piece of missing evidence or that might be missing because yeah. uh, i just i'm limited by my context by my perspective by my culture i i that mean that i think that opens a person up to curiosity slightly hopefully slower to judgment people hear this and they sometimes think oh are you saying there's no certain no uh, uh basis for strong convictions about x y or z and i just don't think that we're um struggling with quote-unquote relativism i think that our our issue today is a much more uh strident certainties almost sort of dogmatism on every conceivable issue and that a little injection of uh um of uncertainty would be a uh, might might stop people from at least violence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and so that's I limitation. Mean, and yeah. and wouldn't you say that that addiction to certainty in a way is really a control conversation? Like like is is like the more if if I can if I can say hey they're in the right jersey, they're in the wrong jersey. This is the good team, this is the, the bad team. I'm in the right, they're in the wrong. I, I now have more perceived control. I don't have any more perceived, control. Perceived, yeah. Um, but I, I now have the illusion that I'm actually the Wizard of Oz pulling mm. you know, everything behind the veil. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's all it's all boiled, boils down to control. Um, a lot of it does, and that our, our, um, our very... Con uh, difficult messy relationship with control and agency is, is is kind of the next pillar but it's also uh yeah if i can just sort people into groups um it, it makes life quote unquote more 
theoretically manageable. Um, and we're very, that's, we find that extremely alluring uh, to the extent that even if it's producing resentment and hatred, we still won't let it go. Yeah. 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 Second pillar is doubleness. Talk to me about um, <laughs> the divergence between what we think we want and what we actually do. Yeah, I mean, this is the if the Bible readers out there who know Romans seven know that this is one of the great pronouncements of 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 Paul in the New Testament, where he says the the good uh, that the the evil I don't want to do that I keep on doing. Yep. Um, it is the yes, uh, it's the understanding that there is almost always uh, the human beings are conflicted internally, motivationally. We are not. Uh, clear it's not a flow chart it's not like um it's more like an argument uh, uh we're a bundle of different um motivations some of which are opaque to us and so we're so the result that we're often confused by our behavior and that of those around us and uh part of this is that we are emotional creatures more than intellectual creatures at least it's not that we don't have an intellect but the emotion uh reality that that actually drives the train and so in in that sense like any any sense anyone who's out of your struggle with addiction i mean not just to control but to anything knows that you can know what's right and and still do the uh, something else so there's there's a divergence there internally um human we are not masters of our own ship so the, the doubleness is really a, a um it's really a conversation about agency mm-hmm. and the fact that um how do you is misbehavior in life is it a matter of bad information or is it a matter of um misdirected love <laughs> and wow. or, or fear or fear um and that double uh, and uh, the understanding of doubleness meaning that the our, our motivations are doubled we're we're we're, we're we want two things at the same time or uh we're in fighting again. There's an internal war going on between our our conscience and our uh, desires and our imagination and our. This is a. Uh, it it's it describes the experience of I I in the book I talk about binge watching things. Yep. Uh, you know, our um, that that's a very low stakes version of doubleness, but it it plays out most predominantly in the matters of addiction. Yep. Yep. Well said. Um, and then the third pillar being self-centeredness, and you kind of put in parentheses, aka Control Freaks Anonymous. Um, <laughs> so, t- talk to me about um, the low anthropology and high anthropology uh, consciousness there when we're talking about uh, this third pillar of self-centeredness. Well, self-centeredness. I mean, some would say this is um, just, uh, of course, we're human beings. We're self-centered. Like that's not. It's it's sort of how we we operate, and therefore, how can it be bad? And that just is. Uh, or there there is a moral valence, you might say, to self-centeredness, and such in the fact that what we want in life often comes at a cost to other people. And depending on how much how much power, how much resources we have, it tends to um, we tend to be able to get our way or not get our way. And um, it, it, it's another way of saying there's a dark side to human nature. Mm. Um, and which is evidence in every great work of literature, human history. If you don't understand that there's some kind of gravitational pull on the human, you know, Christians, we call this sin. And so self-centeredness is sort of a euphemism for that. But sin is so loaded for people that I, I try, I want to find a different way into it. Um, 
but yeah, such that what yeah, what I want uh, often tends to come at a cost to other people. It's that curve and inward. It's that curve inward, and it's not always malicious, but it's uh, it can it manifests itself in all sorts of ways of indifference and domineering and um, callousness, uh, and it's 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 ever present in in folks. I mean, and if you know your children, it's not just that they're tired and limited and like, you know, you need to eat and their behavior is like, that's the only thing going on in their behavior or that they're, they, uh, they're captive to their desires. The problem is really that sometimes what they desire is to pinch their brother or to inflict pain. <laughs> and that is, how do we make sense of that? Uh, it's not the only impulse, but it does exist. And it, um, and if if you don't see it in yourself, you're going to uh, have a really hard time living in the world without hating other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I think over and over, the aha of of what you're getting us to understand here with low anthropology is kind of that space. The uh, the Victor Frank Frankel quote, you know, in between the stimulus and the response, there is a space, and in that space lies our destiny. Something something along those lines, like <laughs> that. That a low anthropology allows me when the stimulus hits, and I either a want to move into that us versus them dialogue, or I want to curve inward versus looking mm-hmm. outward, uh, or or maybe I can even take note of my bias. And go, oh yeah, yeah. It, it's you. You really do allow uh, you, you allow more grace to seep into the moment, and you're not as frustrated with the individual that maybe you used to think. Why do they make that decision, and why do they do that, and why you know I can't believe they would do something like that. Again, expectations begin to dissolve, and and I think uh, there there just there becomes this. Uh, the, the, the further I go into them, I find myself, right? And the further I go into myself, huh, yeah. I find them. Like, this this is the consciousness that, that, that we long for. Um, to uh, and, and again, this is, how, this is how you love an enemy, right? How else do you love an enemy uh, without you You, you, you find like some, some seed of what they're about in yourself. And I think, I mean, this is the great uh, gift that writers and, and preachers are given, I think, often, is that you find that the deeper you go into your own self in terms of exposing what's really going on, telling the truth, you don't find, uh, you find that the, it, your work resonates on a, on a deeper, more subterranean level. And you, the product is not shame and guilt and judgment. The product is actually connection. Mm. and empathy and people feel known like I, I talk in the book i mean having preached 20 years worth of sermons the ones that resonate the deepest are the ones that inevitably deal with things like doubt and estrangement and um you know addiction and loss and yeah. grief and 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 the more i go into the, my particulars uh you know that that's what resonates if i stay on the surface and i talk about sort of other people um, it falls flatter just over time. Like I just don't. It, it's a this strange thing that the the more specific you get, the more universal you get. Or um, that's that's a. Uh, it doesn't. I'm not. I'm not talking about specifics in terms of details. I'm talking about your own specific 
plight and yeah. your own specific pain, the more you go into your own pain, uh, you find that it you're, you're going to start bridging divides that you didn't even expect to. Yeah. Very 12-step-esque, right? I don't have it <laughs> yeah. all together. Life, yeah. It's pretty hard down here. I've got some challenges. Anyone else? Those messages resonate more with the with the body that you're connecting with, uh, then, um, you know, hey, put your boots on, go scale something, build it bigger than yourself, live the dream, yeah. and, and so forth. That's interesting. I mean, I, I do find one of the phrases I've used, it's not in the book, but it, as I've been talking about it, I really find that love travels on the rails of a low anthropology. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Like, if, if you want to really... It doesn't mean you're going to, when you find out everything about everyone, you're going to love them, but you won't love them without finding out hmm. the, 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 the stuff that they leave off their resume. Like that, that's where relationships, the deepest forms of relationships, intimacy, you might say, is, is formed not in our proudest moments, but in our uh, least proud ones. In our, it's, you know, when someone sees the full you not just the one you present to the world like and the full you is inevitably not going to be um the stuff you're proud of so like that's where love uh enters into the equation um it doesn't have to but it, that's you will not again you will not no one feels loved without their shadow self or however you want to put it their 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 their, their vulnerable self their uh, their darker self or their their weaker self um being seen and not uh turned away from yeah. so yeah and you you know towards the end of the book the um you kind of chat through this idea that a low anthropology ends up leading you to a high christology um, mm -hmm. and, and I think that this is, this is the great invitation at home within our churches, in the world, our vocations, our jobs, whatever. Um, I, I think just to put a bow on it here, um, yeah. that, that you, uh, you, you do, um, as, as you lower that bar for yourself, um, you, you hand it over, you hand over control to the divine, you allow the divine to do what it will do, whether you have any control over that or not. That's not up to mm -hmm. us. And, and, and I think this is a liberating uh, and a very freeing conversation. I mean, I, I think that what we don't need is more weight on our shoulders. Um, I think low anthropology invites us to, to hand it off and um, to allow ourselves to be carried, right? To be held and to be carried. Yeah. And therefore, it's an actually a deeply optimistic or hopeful right. view yep. of life because it puts hope where hope is actually to be found, which is in the hands of God. And I think that with God, which is the engine of uh, the divine, is the engine of the good, the true, and the beautiful in the world. And um, so the book is really, you know, if you really want to know what I'm trying to do in the book, I'm, I'm trying to only, I'm trying to reach, write something that would reach me, but it's, it's a way of making faith intelligible emotionally mm. to those who don't quite get why a person would turn to God or should, or why that even the God question is an urgent and uh, compelling uh, question to, 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 that is, you know, uh, my experience of the world and myself is such that I need um, something more than myself. And um, so I feel low anthropology as a gateway to uh, faith 
and to grace and ultimately to God, because that's where I think true hope is to be. I mean, yes, help from other people is very necessary, important, and uh, without it, we are you know dead in the water. But ultimately, what we're we're talking about is help from the one who can actually do anything, and yep. um, and that's God. So. Yep. Uh, it is, it is, it is, this is a, I want to play clear, like this is a Christian book. It's, it's trying, but it's, it's, uh, it's starting like a few steps back, mm-hmm. I guess, from what, where, where mm-hmm. most people of faith would want to begin because it's, yeah, uh, I, I want to answer the question. It's like, what, what, how do, how do I make faith in God intelligible um, to people that I'm actually talking to? Yeah. And, and low anthropology is not the bad news that gets you to the good news. It's just appropriately seeing reality for what it is <laughs> that that will that will liberate you, um, yes, and and create freedom in your life. Yes, it's I yeah that's the thing. Like people's like, oh, is this just sort of you suck the book? It's like no, 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 no. Right. It's like you are a, you are real, and this is what it. You are a human being, and uh, it's you're not alone in that. And uh, ultimately, there is an answer to what that means about life. So it's, I mean, I talk to the people I talk to who are older, who read this book. So I say, tell me, is it depressing? Or um, what? Do you, what's your response? And the people that I trust, I have a woman I trust more than anyone is a 62-year-old lady who's a counselor here. And she said, Dave, I felt better with every single page. Mm. Not only the knowledge that I'm not the only person who's barely, who's just making it up as they go along, but also... That there is a that that my hope does not end in my ability to engineer that hope. No. So uh, it points people beyond themselves. I, I I would hope that's what a low anthropology does, and to you know to loving other people um, who are just like you, <laughs> more like you than you would ever believe. Yeah, yeah. well said. Um, well, guys, make sure you go out and get a copy of Low Anthropology. I've, I've absolutely uh, enjoyed it, and it's it's for sure given me um, some new questions, some beautiful questions to live into, uh, especially as we enter um, the new year. Before we go, Dave, I got a couple questions I ask everybody. So you're on the all you're right. On, you're on the hot seat now. Um, what's currently keeping you curious? Um. What's currently keeping me curious? I am curious always. Uh, music is what scratches my heart itch right, the best, and so I'm constantly curious about new music. I guess you could say. And so, anybody right you want now, to share with us? Anybody we need to go check out? I mean, it's I I I've been listening to the later albums of Duran Duran, and they're beautiful, right and it's, yes. it's sort of a European emotional kind of plasticity but it's it's beautiful Taking so that's a step back i love it <laughs> yeah well it's it's future past that's their most recent record so i would uh i highly recommend that the other the the book that has helped me put into into words a lot of things i've been thinking about and has been an inspiration to me um uh as i sort of continue to live in the world and try to figure out what what the heck's going on is the book faith hope and carnage by nick cave and sean o'hagan it's a long discussion about the nature of art and mystery and grief and um music and that's been very cool 
sustaining. Yeah, right on. Uh, what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, uh, you. <laughs> Well, it's it's really hard because I don't know I would if I would have listened to myself, but I would <laughs> say probably a couple things. I'd say uh, you're you're not an, you're not alone, um, and I would say you, you don't have to try so hard. <laughs> That's what I would say. <laughs> I would say you don't have to try so hard. Um, yeah, love it, um, David Zoll, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Super grateful for you and your work in the world and. Um, Love to have you Thank again. You, Ashton. Anytime, anytime you get something new coming out in the world, give us a buzz. We'd love to have you on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for this conversation. It's, uh, it's, it's been a joy. All right, man. Cheers. Till next time. Mm-hmm.